Ciao, ragazzi. Frank Crivello here, host of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. Uh, Richard Carmen is not joining us. He is uh, out of town with his wife uh, at a wedding, I believe in Dallas somewhere. He did want me uh, to make sure... Uh, that you guys all knew that uh, last week's podcast, he accurately predicted a Lazio win over Juventus. Uh, so I'm obliging him and saying congratulations, Richard. In four years, we've done this together. You finally got something right. All right. So, but fear not, you don't have to listen to me blab through this the whole time. Uh, I did bring reinforcements. Uh, and uh, ladies first, she's making her Serie A sit-down debut uh, earning her first cap. She's a career accountant, a beer league footballer, a wannabe chef. Uh, most of you know her through your interactions with her on Twitter. We say benvenuto to Sabrina Belmonte. Ciao, Sabrina. Hi, thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for coming on. Uh, quick uh, quick word for the listeners on uh, some of the stuff that you're doing that's culture-related. Um, you're writing some articles. I know you've appeared on some podcasts here in the past. Uh, why don't you give... Uh, uh, the, the listeners, a quick capsule of, uh, of what you're about. Uh, so basically I am an accountant, as you mentioned. So a lot of the stuff that I write about has to do with the finance aspect of football, which I enjoy writing about as well. Um, and pretty soon since I do like the MLS, cause I have my Toronto FC in there, I'll be writing for the Waterboy report and just, uh, talking about TFC. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Well, glad to have you on, Sabrina. And um, now uh, joining us for his third appearance, earning his hat trick of caps. Uh, his other two appearances have come this season. He's been that good. We wanted to bring him back that often. He's a writer for the Laziale. Uh He's written for World Football Index, uh, GIFN, Vavil, BTL Video, uh, contribute, contributor on the Alex Dono Show, uh, fan of Chelsea, Lazio, Edmonton Oilers, Dallas Cowboys, really? I've got to. I've got to. I've got to vet my. I've got to have a better vetting process for my guests. But anyway, um, congratulations on your hat trick of appearances, Jenny Mancini. Ciao. Ciao. How are you tonight? Oh man, I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Can't complain. I'm sure, I'm sure you've got to be. I'm sure you got to be doing just fine. You almost didn't join us. You had a little bit of uh, a stomach problem. I, I'm. I'm just going to say, you know, don't don't bullshit our listeners. You just you drank a lot over the weekend after Lazio beat Juve, and um, <laughs> you're finally feeling the effects of it. Absolutely. Had a great time last night. Had a <laughs> bottle of uh, champagne and uh, hopefully, hopefully all it to continues. Your, all, all to yourself? <laughs> uh, my wife had some. Okay. She, she celebrated with me. She's a Lazio uh, fan as well. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, well, congratulations. And now the two of you um, are going to be venturing in on a, po- on a podcast of your own. Um, give us a quick minute and uh, share with the listeners here on Serie A Sit Down. Uh, the podcast you guys are working on, and when we can expect that to hit the airwaves. Okay, so basically, we're starting a podcast. Where we've uh, named it the Play by Play Podcast. Uh, we're going to be discussing mainly uh, the Italian Serie A and other aspects of calcio, maybe throwing a bit more of uh, the other top five European leagues. And uh, right now, we're just in the process of getting it all approved by the major platforms, so it should be out soon. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, maybe having some. We did a uh, a, a, a podcast uh, mix with Serie A show for our preview uh, way back at the beginning of the season. So hopefully maybe at some point we can uh, have Richard and I 
uh, do some sort of a podcast mix with you guys as well as it pertains to Steady Ah. We like uh, like being able to do that and trying to expand that to our our listener base, generate some listener awareness. Because one of the things that I've learned about the English speaking Calcio fan is that you, you got maybe a minority of listeners that are really just loyal to one one podcast, and many listeners like to listen to just about anything and everything that's out there. Absolutely. So, okay. So uh, we we alluded to uh, Jerry's uh, uh, overindulgence and copious amounts of alcohol yesterday, and that's because his Lazio side uh, took on Juventus on Saturday and came away three one winners. Um, we're gonna let's let's get into this game here, guys. And Jerry, uh, you know, we'll start with you. Um, we'll talk Lazio's lineup uh, to get things going here. Uh, Strakosia and goal, Luis Felipe, Acerbi, and Radu, the back three. Lazzari, Sergei, Lucas, Luis Alberto, Senad Lulic uh, as the uh, left wing back, if you will, with Joaquin Correa and Chiro Immobile. Not terribly surprising to see this team picked. Did anything jump out at you when uh, uh, when Inzaghi selected this team? Absolutely not. I thought he went with his best lineup that was available to him. I believe that if Patrick was available, he may have gone with Patrick over Radu, only because he's shown good form this season. But the fact that Radu was available and he he had a really strong game, so I, I'm 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 happy with the lineup he uh, he selected, and um, they, they did well in the end. What were your going into the match? What were your expectations? You know, you know what would have been reasonable for you. Uh, after watching 90 minutes of Lazio Juventus, you would have said this. It, it would have, it would be reasonable if this happened, if blank happened. I felt after Juventus had scored the first goal, I didn't count out Lazio, only because they've won six straight before this match and they had have been unbeaten in nine. So this is a team that has shown different ways to win this season, as as alluded to, like Sassuolo. When they won and with a minute left with Caicedo, and they've shown how to score like three goals in a match, such as like against Parma. So the first twenty, Juventus was playing very hard, and they were they were they were pressing, making it difficult for Lazio to move out from the backfield. But when Bentancur went out, I I felt more confident in, in Lazio's chances because with Bentancur was 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 creating all their offense on the right side. So as soon as he went out, it, it looked as if they couldn't create anything afterwards. And, and it was very difficult. So the, the relentless pressure and, and just, just the fact that they just, they just kept driving against Juventus. And eventually right at, at halftime, Luis Alberto sets up a beautiful pass to, uh, to, to Luis Felipe. And, and, and of all time, I believe that when you score right at halftime, that that boosted their confidence, and when you see Felipe's face, he he has tears in his eye as he scores that goal, and and he knows how much it means because they want to beat Juventus. Because anybody who who beats the Bianconeri is 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 it's like winning a championship to them. Something, even though it's not a championship, it's this the significance of beating Juventus is always great for any club. Because they they rarely lose in in the last recent like eight seasons, so the fact that how this this game played out was emotional for for Lazio. 
Yeah, uh, indeed. And uh, we'll talk about these goals here shortly. Sabrina, Juve's lineup, um, Chesney, uh, Quadrado, Benucci, Delict, Alexandro, no big surprise there. Uh, Benton, Pjanic, Matuidi, and then Benedeschi, Dybala, and Cristiano Ronaldo. With, you know, Champions League on the horizon, even though everything is sewn up for Juventus, Richard and I both agreed that Saudi was going to put out his best team. Um, this is his best team, unless you think there should be a case for Higuain starting in a game like this with his experience, with the characteristics that he brings as a striker versus what Dybala and Ronaldo brings as a striker. That's the one thing that... I thought was a bit unusual for a big game like this. I, th- I thought maybe that Saudi would go with Iguain here, but your thoughts on what Saudi rolled out here for a first 11? Well, I think a lot of uh, Juventus fans will agree with me that they were not happy that uh, Bernardeschi was starting. I mean, he's had good performances with Italy so far this year, but as for the Juventus season, he he's not been great, and I'm surprised that he got a start in this big of a match, but... I mean, Juve's really thin at the midfield, and that didn't seem to be that big of a priority in the summer window. I mean, they got they have a lot of injuries as well, so you can't really blame him. He's putting out as much as he can. Um, personally, if it was me, I would just drop out of drop Dybala back in that little slot and put Iguain on and see what we can do because Dybala he, he can move, you know, and I think. I don't know. I think it made a huge difference having uh, Bernadeschi on the pitch. Just as a, a a focal point, I mean, that's just the one thing that jumped out at me. Having Iguain as a target that would just get into some deeper positions, you know, and ask a few questions of guys like like the back three for Lazio. So uh, that was the one thing that that caught my attention that uh, the, the omission of Iguain and you know not bringing him on until the 79th minute when he when he brought off DiBala at that point. But you know, we'll talk about that. Um, but when you look at it statistically, what, uh, in the first half, what Maurizio Saudi rolled out was working 63% possession. Um, you know, Lazio were hitting on the break and trying to get some shots. Nothing that was terribly troubling. Wojciech Szczesny, you know, in the early going, uh, Dybala challenged Strakoja with a shot that Strakoja made a very nice save on. Uh, but it would be Juve that would strike first, uh, in the 25th minute, kind of an elongated one, two. Uh, between Ronaldo and Bentancur, and uh, Bentancur uh, calmly puts the ball across, and uh, it's not going to get a whole lot easier for Cristiano Ronaldo. Sabrina, uh, great start for the champions. Uh, you know, with the monopoly of possession that they seem to have here, uh, you know, in the first half, this goal probably uh, was fair as far as who got the opening goal and who got the lead. Yeah, for sure. I mean. It has to be said that on that first goal that Juventus got, the defending on Lazio's part was terrible. I mean, you shouldn't have a player like Cristiano Ronaldo alone in the six-yard box and have an open shot like that. I mean, I know he's a world-class player, but he didn't have to work hard to get that ball in the net. So when you're playing Juve, you really don't want to set yourself off on the wrong foot and have that be how the scoring is opened. But, I mean, you got to get give credit to Lazio because they seem like one of the only teams this year that wasn't afraid of Juve and they took it to them. So even going down, they never gave up. And I think a lot of uh, people who watch Calcio can see that once a team goes down to Juventus, it's pretty much lights out. I'm with you. And first of all, that's just a, such an anti-Cristiano thing of you to say. <laughs> 
by the way. You should be ashamed oh, yeah. of yourself. I know. I'm the worst. Yeah. Jerry, I, I, I agree with Sabrina here. I was very shocked at Lazio's defending in that particular sequence. Once Bentoncourt was played in, you know, what I watched, I watched defenders all ball watching Bentoncourt and just allowing Ronaldo to drift into an open space and not any, not a single player accounting for him. One of the best goal scorers of this generation. How do you leave him that open? I, the problem is that it's not that Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo is just open. It's the fact that Radu steps up way too high on his line and leaves Betancourt all open on the right side. So when you see Dybala make that pass up and Ronaldo chips it to the right side, at least Ronaldo chips it up to the right side to Betancourt, on the, he, he's wide open and he has so much space to cross that ball in. So as I alluded earlier, Benincourt was having a great game bef- before he um, he got hurt, and he was the driving force for the offense for uh, for Juventus. And in that sequence, he he delivered into the box, and Felipe was caught out of position, as as was the Cherby. So, which which is unfortunate, and and that's why when when he scores later, it's emotional for him because. He conceded the first goal because he's not in position to, to have Ronaldo in that box where he should be, and although and, and that that's that's basically what happened. And another thing is that the problem with 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 Felipe and Acherbi is that they both like to play high, and and if they're both similar players, it, it really leaves you vulnerable against a team like Juventus, and you you need someone who can. Who can man the backfield and, and stays plays that safe defensive game, and, and Radu was is, is another player who is similar. So that that's a, an issue for for Lazio as you see throughout the match, especially in the first half for for Juventus having so many chances. I'm taking a look at the I'm taking a look at the goal here right now and looking at how it's getting created. The ball uh, from DiBala into Ronaldo's feet. Acherbi starts to confront him, but just clearly doesn't get there in time. And then you look at Radu. Radu's pinched over by Acherbi. I mean, I get it because when Ronaldo's on the ball, you want to make sure that he's outnumbered. Uh, but that just gives uh, Bentoncourt uh, the freedom to get over to that right-hand side where the ball got played to him. And Ronaldo sees it, plays it first time. Um, how about... Senad Lulic in this in this particular situation doesn't he have some responsibility to maybe recover over to where Bentoncourt is getting the ball? Absolutely, he he should be on the right side covering his man, but uh, with Senad Lulic, he he's up and down with with he he's someone that is not very positional and his speed is always going to hurt him. So. That's that's something that uh, was disappointing throughout the match. He he works hard, but it's just his positioning at times that it hurts him. And in that sequence, it it came back to burn him. Yep, and I agree with you with Luis Felipe's positioning. He's way out of he's way out of position. Um, when the ball is uh, ball is crossed, he's nowhere near Ronaldo. And then Cherubi's just retreating back to the six yard area. The cross escapes him you would think that it would be Luis Felipe in that situation. Then they would have to get goal side uh, and prevent uh, Ronaldo getting involved on that cross. Just way too much room for Ronaldo to score. Credit credit him. I mean, he found the space and Bentoncourt picked him out. So let's not totally, you know, say that this is Lazio's fault as much as, you know, Juventus's game. These are experienced players that 
took advantage of a situation. So in that vein, you got to give him some credit. Um, this game goes level uh, just before uh, halftime uh, in stoppage time in the first half. And there's going to be a player, Jerry, that we're going to talk about here throughout the course of this game. Uh, Luis Alberto, beautiful cross for uh, Luis Felipe, the man you've been talking about here, 1-1. Um, I mean, this is just the beginning of what turned into a masterclass by Luis Alberto, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, Luis Alberto ha- was my uh, man of the match, and this is someone who has created chances throughout the whole match, and finally it paid off. And um, what well, what really show me Luis Alberto was going to have a good game was in the first five minutes, there was a foul call on Lulich and he gets very heated up and he gets a, a yellow card eventually for complaining with the ref. It is a foul, but he keeps on just never stops. And he gets a warning, gets a second warning. And the emotion in his face just, just showed me that he was ready to, for this game. Even though he, he took a yellow card, it didn't stop him from playing his game. And normally when, when someone takes their first uh, their first offense into their the, in the match, it sometimes mentally changes how you play because you're, you're on a caution and you know that if you take a second yellow card, you're out of the game, as, as what happened with Cuadrado. Well, actually, Cuadrado took a straight red. Sorry, so not in that case, but in any other case... Uh, but it, just saying that, like that, that showed me that he he was determined to beat Juventus, and like he had a goal in mind. And on this goal here, a beautiful a beautiful strike right into the box. Sorry, a beautiful pass into the box, and Felipe, which he his his strength to his game is that he is very good at uh, joining the uh, the attack and coming up front and helping the score and and. It, in that play, he he reads the play very well. He's well open and a very beautiful pass. You could you couldn't ask anything better by by a a, a midfielder. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one one at the half. Uh, you know, Sabrina from the first half of this game. Um, Lazio get the goal. It's the only shot on target Lazio had the entire time. I mean. You kind of argue, you know what Lazio is going to bring going the other way if you're going to to boss possession, and you've got to be wary of those players. Up until that moment, you know, this is the classic, Saudi's got to completely scribble what he's going to say at halftime because I think prior to that, he was probably ready to say, hey, more of the same, gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, can really ask more from his team. I mean, on that goal, I mean, okay, I know I'm going to sound biased, but Bonucci left Felipe open. He, he snuck in behind him. I mean, he's not the most solid in, as a defender, um, but you can't blame Chesney for that. You have a that beautiful cross in and a header from pretty much point blank range. So if I'm Saudi, I'm not too angry about conceding that goal. And the game did feel at halftime that Juve was in the driver's seat. And I think all of us, I mean, Jerry included, I think you would feel too, knowing how Juventus plays, and the way they can get a job done that we all kind of felt like they'll, they'll get it done in the second half. Yeah. It's, you know, the goal happens. It's one, one, it gives Lazio obviously a little bit of momentum heading into the dressing room and you're, you're, you're not biased. You actually sound like you've been on Serie A sit down for four seasons when you're <laughs> picking on Bonucci uh, <laughs> for being, and I don't know if he was out of position. I think he might, you know, just looking at that, 
looking at that goal, it looks like he mistimed his jump. Uh, but the second half would begin with uh, Strakoja getting careless in possession, Dybala getting a point-blank chance on him, and Strakoja again making a save. And this is exactly the problem with Team Serie A sit-down on Fantasy Serie A. We dropped Luis Alberto for Paulo Dybala, and I think we're regretting it um, because Dybala has not scored since we've added him, and now Luis Alberto is <laughs> getting ready to go on a tear. So just the just the misfortunes that I'm going through. Um we still had a good. Uh, we still had a good weekend. We just Chiro didn't score. He had a chance to. We'll talk about that in a minute, Jerry. Um, I'm a little disappointed in your boy, uh, but anyway, uh, 69th minute, a great ch- uh, getting into the 69th minute, a great breakaway. Actually, it was a couple minutes prior to that. Uh, but uh, Lazzari is released, and uh, Juan Cuadrado. There's no other way around it. Uh, comes charging in violently, and we were just getting ready to tweet about the latest injustice that favors Juve, where Cuadrado only gets away with a yellow card. But finally, um, Sabrina, uh, somebody came to their senses and said, hey, a lot of people are watching this. We're going to have to take a look. Yeah, and and when I was watching it, I honestly didn't think the ref would take a second look at it because it seemed like the ref was letting the game be free-flowing. Like a lot of both sides were getting away with a little bit of rougher challenges, but in a game like this, you kind of want to let the flow go. So I honestly didn't think he'd take a second look, but I think it was clear to all that were watching that when Quadrado was chasing the ball, he did have an opportunity. If he went straight for that ball, he probably could have cleared it. He looked as if he pulled up and instead of trying to tackle the ball, he went for Lazzari. And I think the ref going to take a second look and giving that red card was absolutely the right decision. Yep. And uh, I agree. And uh, Jerry, you had to feel like, hey, justice has been done, right? Absolutely. Lazzari was having a a modest game. And in that situation, that's where he's effective. And he caught Quadrado out of position. And as Sabrina said, he he missed time this run. And he he just made the tackle and stopped him. Because if he doesn't make that challenge, he, he doesn't get that ball. And he's gone. And he has a clear break to the net and a possible goal. So I'm happy that they went to VAR because normally VAR is never used in these situations. As you've seen in some matches, they, they elect to either choose to use it or they choose not to use it. And I don't want to say they, 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 they just use it just for Juve. I think that's biased. But, but in this situation, it, it's nice that it, it was used in the right way and and it helped Lazio because Lazio has always been uh, always on the other side in, in matches that I've always seen. And so it's nice to be on the opposite end for once. Yep. So that would set the tone for the balance of this game. Uh, and then in the 74th minute, Lazio would go ahead. A goal of the week candidate. Uh, another brilliant ball played in by Luis Alberto. Serge. Uh, or Sergey, excuse me, finishing and putting Lazio ahead 2-1. Um, we, we talked about Luis Alberto, Jerry, and I think we've talked about this when we've had you on the couple of times we've had you on. I think a lot of Lazio's success and, and, and what they're enjoying in Serie A this season comes down. You can talk about all the Chiro Immobile goals, but these two guys are playing at the the level that they were playing at two years ago, and it's making a world of difference for Simone Inzaghi's team. 
Absolutely, I, I absolutely agree. And these are these are the type of players that uh, will help uh, Lazio to be successful this season. And uh, if you watch the goal again, what I'm happy about is that Savage plays up high, and normally he doesn't play high in a situation like that. He's normally seen seen back behind Alberto, more of a defensive role, and. When, when Savage is in the box, his height, he uses it to his advantage. But in that situation, his height is not what helps him, but it's his touch. And the way he brings that ball down, and then as he follows up with a strike right to the back of the net, it, it, it these are the things that he's able able to do. As as I alluded many times, he's, he's a box-to-box player, and it showed right there. And the two linked up very well together. And Luis Alberto continues to, to to be that catalyst. You you see, you see the way he he makes that pass. And my my opinion is if he if he ever gets hurt, this, this could be a concern for Lazio. But at the moment, he ha- he's having a great season. And, and right in that goal there, he he helps create a red card in this match, and he sets up the second goal. So and he set up the first goal. So they're they're they're. There's three goals in my opinion, even though the red card is not a goal. I'll take that as a goal because you gotta you're up a guy the, the rest of the match. Now now you're up two one and Juventus is now down a guy still and th- their backs are against the wall. Right. And just looking at this replay now, you know, this is one of those examples that you have an opponent down to ten men and they're gonna start putting more men behind the ball. So this is an example of where Sergey can go ahead and take a chance. Mm-hmm. of finding himself in a higher position and being a target. Uh, so this works out beautifully because you have him and Immobile. Actually, it's him and Correa um, are, are playing in the high, higher positions. Immobile's trying to come in a little bit more withdrawn. He's sitting behind Pjanic. Um, Sergei is just... he His run starts in between Delict and Alexandro, and he goes diagonally. It's it's a perfectly weighted ball. It's a perfectly timed run. And then, like you said, the technique to bring it down in that situation and finish is class all the way. Uh, and it put Lazio ahead uh, two goals to one. Um, in a, just a couple minutes later, another long ball this time uh, finds Correa. He's trying to go 1v1 with Chesney. Chesney brings him down to the penalty area. It's a penalty. Chesney gets a yellow for that. Sabrina, do we want to cry foul on this a little bit? Because we've seen other goalkeepers get sent off. Alex Merritt had to be somewhere pissed off about that call. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially because it was against Juventus. And, I mean, if you ask me, he barely touched Ronaldo. So uh, that, again, goes to the inconsistency with the refereeing that we've seen. Which, I mean, there's mistakes. There's always going to be mistakes when there's human beings involved. But having the technology that we have, if you're going to review one play, the Quadrado play, to see if there's a potential red card, I think that should have been reviewed as well. Because, I mean, you, it has to be said, like, Correa had a great shot on net. He was all by himself. You can pretty much say that's a, a 100% that's a goal-scoring opportunity. So, I mean, it's good that they that Lazio ended up getting the penalty. That was absolutely the right decision. But I just feel like sometimes referees, once they've given one card, red card in a game, they're kind of hesitant to do it the second time. But right. the rules are the rules. It should just be that. it was. He took him down on a goal-scoring opportunity. And in my books, that's a red. We, we can't have a world where Juventus has to play with nine men. That's just, <laughs> you know, 
10 men. Okay, fine. We get it. We had to do it. We, we can't send off. We can't send off another guy. We just can't. We, <laughs> so, so Chiri Mobley, uh, my pick for Capo Cananieri, uh, missed the penalty and missed the follow-up. So, I mean, it was actually excellent goalkeeping by Chesney who shouldn't have even been in the game to make those saves, but, uh, I digress. Uh, I'd have another goal, uh, you know, added to that tally. Uh, but uh, Lazio would put this away in the 95th minute. Felipe Caicedo comes on and uh, gets a rebound. 3-1 to Lazio. The Olimpico absolutely erupts. Um, the light blue side of Rome is up for grabs after this. Uh, Lazio win three goals to one. Um, one of Lazio's great nights, to quote the commentator, uh, and uh, Jerry, um, first win for Simone Inzaghi against Maurizio Sarri. Oh, very ecstatic. He he deserves it. This is a coach that has gone through a, a lot. He was rumored this summer to be fired. He won a Coppa Italia with the club. He's been with the club all his life. He's won as a player manager. He's won a Scudetto as a player. And, and it's nice that finally he, he broke this long uh, losing streak at home against Juventus where they haven't won. I, I lost track of how long it's been, to be honest. But uh, And he's never been sorry, which is another uh, new chapter in his book that he's achieved. But this is someone who who's overcome a lot as a manager, learning, and was hired last second after Bislia, the whole fiasco when he uh, was hired, and four days later was he left, and then you got this Inzaghi coming from the Primavera, and I, I and I feel that this season this is a new Inzaghi who's learned a lot, and you see it in this match here, where everyone was was focused, and it, it looks as if this is a new. Lazio squad that is may have found that consistency and that hunger that they were missing last season in 2017-2018 that was the first chapter in his career of, of learning that he, he missed it by one game against Inter and then last season we were the only squad, no, sorry, the only team to be on three fronts up until April and Depp really hurt, hurt him and he overused Korea Mobile, Savage, Alberto. This season, he's elected not to use him as much in the Europa League. And and you can see it's paying dividend now in the season based on, on the record and their form. So I'm, I'm very happy with the way that Inzaghi is actually adjusting and the way he's learning. And people always say, or fans, sorry, they, they don't like his substitutions. And I and sometimes I question a manager's substitutions. But being in that situation, uh, sometimes it's hard because you, you want your best players in, in that in that role as they lost to Spall after the international break, for example, and he had the Europa League game on the Thursday, and he didn't start Korea or Savage in that match, but they came off the bench. Mm. And at that at that point, he's already still focusing on Europa League because it's still the first game. So you don't want to just automatically not play your best players thinking that you don't have a chance. But as the season progressed and he's noticed that he there's something that, that to me that he noticed something that the season was more important and the Europa League squad started changing after the first game. So that that really shows to me that he's he's adjusted and he's learning. And a lot of coaches don't are not willing to adapt, and that and and, and to sorry, he he learned that from Chelsea last season, 
in his time there. So that that coaches who learn from their mistakes are always going to be the better ones, and and very few will always try to adapt and change, which is unfortunate. Sure, sure, absolutely. So it's a big win for Inzaghi. Uh, Sabrina, um, Juventus here. Uh, and now a 2-2 draw at home against Sassuolo, and now this defeat to Lazio. Um, is there cause for concern in the Juventus camp? Because this defeat, not only that, but you know we've been talking about for weeks, this has been a two-horse race for the Scudetto between Inter and Juventus, but with this win, Lazio really is a thing in this Scudetto race. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it's sports everything is so unpredictable. We saw a few years ago with Leicester winning the Premier League. You can't discount any team when it's that close. And we've played almost half the season. And to see that, you know, how tight it is at the top, you know, it would be cause for concern at, over at the Juventus camp there. But to be honest, I don't think they it, it's that big of a deal. I mean, They'll say when they win the Scudetto year after year that, you know, it means a lot to them. And, you know, they every time they win it, it's not, it's not anything old. It still feels great to them. But there's no secret. Their objective is to win the Champions League. So if they end up not winning the Serie A, I feel like if Inter wins it, it'll be a blow because they are rivals. But if it if it means winning the Champions League, I don't think they'll, they'll care. And if you look back on their legacy winning eight in a row and then winning a Champions League, what Juventus fan is going to look back and say, well, you didn't get that ninth in a row. So I don't really think it's a huge cause for concern right now. Okay. Okay. Good point. Um, But we do have a three-team race, and Inter is the other team that's factoring into this. They played Roma on Friday, and that ended in a nil-nil draw. Um, Let's uh, touch on this one before we get into the rest of uh, what went down in Serie A this weekend, guys. Um... You know, th- this was a game, I think, when you looked at it and when Richard and I previewed it last week, we thought there was going to be goals. They have a history of scoring goals against each other. Uh, so, you know, for Inter to be a Scudetto contender and for Roma to be a top four contender, um, and Sabrina, I'll start with you. Do you get the feeling that, well, we were all bored to piss over this game? They don't care. A point was fine for e- for both of them in, in this situation. Absolutely. I mean, considering that both teams had some pretty serious injuries, uh, especially for Roma, they didn't have Jekko from the start. And um, Lopez was in, got injured. They had to put in Mirante. And I mean, Mirante, in the grand scheme of things, isn't the most solid option, especially when you're going up against Lukaku and Martinez, who have been on fire lately. So for Roma, absolutely going into that game, if they got told they would get a point out of it, I don't think that they would have complained at all. And for Inter, I mean, their midfield has been like just destroyed by injuries. And given how the Lazio and Juventus game turned out, I mean, they're still on top. I don't think they cared much anyway. I think for them, they were just glad that they didn't get the loss. Jerry, the best players in this game were the defenders from both teams. Um, you know, for me, I thought, you know, on the inter side, I thought Diego Godin was outstanding. You got a yellow card in this game. Uh, I thought DeVry was very good. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, the whole back three, Skriniar was good. Uh, and then when you look at Roma, 
Gianluca Mancini and Chris Smalling were outstanding. Chris Smalling, I think, maybe made it a personal mission to make sure Romelu Lukaku didn't come away with a goal in this game as former Manchester United teammates. Um, but both of them were very influential in this game as well. And then you go uh, go a step further. The guys that are tasked with protecting those defenders were also outstanding in this game. Marcelo Brozovic for Inter, Amadou Diawara for Roma. So, I mean, this is a game where, you know, we talk about the strikers, we talk about the guys who get all the glory. It's time to give a lo- little bit of love to the defenders and the players that protect the defenders. Absolutely. Um, Chris Smalling had a, a great game. He continues to impress Roma, in my opinion. This is someone that was written off in uh, Manchester United, and now he's just he's taking uh, he's taking his role and he's u- utilizing it, and he's taking it to an advantage. He had a strong uh, match against uh, Inter, and basically won against Lukaku. He he limited he limited his chances, and that's that's what you basically want in Roma's case. As for uh, Gianluca Mancini, I feel, I, th- I thought he had a decent game. I don't think he had like an amazing game, but near the end, he, I think he was fortunate to not have Lautaro Martinez score near the end. He had a, he he had beat him, and Martinez slips on on the ball, and he he loses a good chance to score. Yeah. And before that, Lukaku beats him one on one with the ball, and. I think Mancini just throughout the match, in my opinion, he was playing too close, too close to Lukaku and to Martinez, especially Martinez. And you don't want to play too close to Martinez because you're giving him with his speed, he can beat you one on one, which I saw a few times against Mancini. But overall, he had a decent game, in my opinion. But in this match, I I thought the chances weren't created by 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 the teams, but more that the giveaways were were what really hurt both sides and. Yeah. At the beginning of the match, you see Veritu with a poor pass, or he doesn't receive a he doesn't receive the pass. He loses the ball, and and it creates the first chance for for uh, Lukaku, which he gets stopped by Morante. So I thought the uh, the giveaways were the biggest issue in this match, and, and it, they they were they played a very tight defensive game throughout, though. Sure. And. Pick a man of the match in this one, Sabrina. I'm having a hard time picking one. <laughs> I'm going to go with Mirante. I mean, he stepped up not having much playing time. And while he he did have some disastrous giveaways, his shot stopping was on point. And I think any Roma fan would agree. Like, they were lucky to have him in net. He, he stopped a lot of Inter's chances. I feel like every time Mirante actually, dresses, actually plays for Roma, he gets a clean sheet. Yeah. You know, I mean, last season when Robin Olsen was having all of those struggles, in comes Mirante and wins and, and gets clean sheet after clean sheet after clean sheet. But in games where, you know, he's forced into five or six saves in those games because of who is defending in front of him, Manolas and Fazio were a nightmare uh, for just about all of last year. Uh, this year, you got that sewn up a little bit, Mancini and Smalling playing together, you know, certainly seem to be a step up defensively from Roma. It's evidenced not just, you know, it, it, it's evidenced in not just in this particular game where Roma only or Inter only got two shots on target, but on the whole of the season, you know, Roma has only conceded 15 goals in 15 games. Now that's a goal a game and, and most traditional Calcio fans will look at that and say that's a lot. But for Roma, that's a massive improvement. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, so to see Roma defending better is a different thing, especially with a manager like Paulo Fonseca. When you see what his history's like, uh, when he was at Shakhtar Donetsk, those teams attacked. 
won a lot of games 3-2, won a lot of games 4-2, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, Jerry, are you with Sabrina here that Mirante was the uh, man of the match in this one? Absolutely. Okay. And this is someone who I don't envision staying with Roma much longer. Even last season, he showed that how good he was, and they didn't use him much. But um, even this season, he had one start, and he was superb in that start. And um, I just think that maybe Morante needs to leave Roma and eventually start become a starter because based on what I saw in this match and what he showed last year as well, is that uh, he, he doesn't he doesn't suit just a backup. I think this player can actually become a starter and, and help a club. So that, that might be something that Roma should think about and they could probably make a lot of money on him. But yeah, he, he was basically the, the player of the match for me. He, he bailed out uh, Roma on maybe five, six chances, maybe more. And uh, yeah, especially at the beginning, like I said, when he bailed on the, on the giveaway, because Roma had made a few like, air passes which created the chances for uh inter where marante was big and came up huge for uh roma yep indeed so yeah i mean i'll go with it i thought marante was very good here uh had good presence had his defense organized you know made it difficult for inter and and to come away nil nil you know good for him and you know certainly good for roma and their in their march to try to uh get into the top four here so um, you know, sitting fifth after this weekend's action, uh, but certainly uh, certainly in contention, tied on points with Cagliari. Cagliari's in there uh, with the superior goal difference. Uh, but um, but Roma, nonetheless, are uh, in contention for a top-four spot 15 games in. That was Inter-Roma, uh, and then prior to that, Lazio-Juventus. Uh, listeners, go to at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Give us your takes on those games. Who were the men of the match in each game? Uh, who impressed you, who disappointed you. Uh, now let's get on to what happened in the rest of match week 15. Okay, Jerry and Sabrina, rapid fire. I'm just going to go through the results, the scores, and uh, you know anything interesting that I saw, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump in and uh, pick on, uh, well, just about every one of these games. So, uh, everything, uh, we, Inter and Roma began things on Friday, uh, kicking off things on Saturday was Atalanta and Hellas Verona. Um, and it was Hellas Verona, uh, off to a good start here. Verona has been a thorn in everybody's side this season and Di Carmine opened the scoring in the 23rd minute. Um, but just before halftime, it is Malinovsky who had to come on as a substitute for Josip Ilicic and scored a goal of the week candidate, uh, to make it one, one. Um, Verona would go back in front on a very nice uh, piece of team play that ended with the Carmine finishing, making it 2-1 to Verona. An upset was on the cards, and then a penalty in the 64th minute, finished by Luis Muriel to make it 2-2. And Atalanta leaving it late, uh, Jim Chiti, uh scoring in the 93rd minute. I believe there was a red card in this game for Verona. It was, uh, oh, man... Give me his name. Uh, yes, Davidovich, Pavel Davidovich, uh, getting a second yellow and getting sent off. So Verona down to 10 men for roughly 8 to 10 minutes there in the end, uh, opening the door for Jim City to get the goal for Atalanta. 3-2 uh, for Ladea. Udinese and Napoli, the struggles continue for the Partenope. Kevin Lasagna goal in the 32nd minute. 
opened the scoring for the Friuli. Uh, Zielinski scoring in the 69th uh, to make it 1-1. Sunday's action began with Lecce and Genoa. Uh, Goran Pandev at the ripe old age of 75, scoring a goal of the week candidate in the 31st minute. How how old is he? Good Lord. And he's still playing. Um, hey, Ibra's coming. Ibra might be coming back at 38, so why not? Um, and uh, uh, Crescito getting a penalty in the, gosh, that first half lasted forever. 45th plus 5th minute of stoppage time uh, in the first half. So Genoa was going into the dressing room up 2-0. And uh, apparently didn't come out for the second half. Um, I, well, they did just to get red cards. Agudelo and Pandev both shown red in the course of this. But Falco with a curler uh, in the 60th to make it 2-1. And then Tabanelli tying it in the 70th minute for Lecce to get a point out of this. 2-2 the final there. Spall and Brescia. Um, we, want to, uh, we, we had no idea that Brescia would sack Fabio Grosso after three games, but with Chilino, you never know what you're going to get anymore. So um, to Fabio Grosso, I said it on Twitter. I say it again. I'm never going to speak ill about you. You could have ran that Brescia team into the ground, and I wouldn't have cared. You you brought me a World Cup as an Italian-American. So, um, But Mario Balotelli scores for Brescia in the 54th minute. Um this player has been a point of contention, something we've been talking about on Serie A sit-down pretty regularly, uh, that he may be correlating with Brescia's struggles. Andrea Patania with a penalty miss for Spall. Uh, continued problems uh, for the Ferrara outfit. Uh, they're beaten by Brescia here. That was a relegation six-pointer, and Brescia getting three big points there. Sassuolo 2, Cagliari 2. Uh, Sassuolo were on the way. By the way, guys, I love that Sassuolo's song after goals is Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. <laughs> Love that. That is brilliant. I it reminds me of how drunk I was in my twenties. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, every time that and I just start dancing like I've like I've just been and Captain Morgan and Coke was my drink back then, and I'd probably knock down about six to eight, and that song would come on. And okay, I'm saying too much. Uh Domenico Birardi in the sixth minute. Um, wait till Richard gets this recording. Uh, and then uh, it would be uh, Judicic in the 36th minute who was outstanding in this game, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, Sassuolo going up 2-0, and would the would the unbeaten run end for Cagliari? Uh, no, it wouldn't. Uh, Jao Pedro in the 51st, making it 2-1. Domenico Berardi had a chance to secure all three points here for Sassuolo on a penalty that hit the woodwork. Uh, and did not go in, and then it was Daniele Ragazzu in the 90th minute, 2-2 there. Torino 2, Fiorentino 1, Simone Itzaza with a goal of the week candidate, just launching himself at an Ansaldi cross. Ansaldi would get a goal himself in the 72nd, a consolation for Fiorentina on a goal by Caceres in the 91st. Uh, Jerry's going to have a lot to say about this game. Um, Sampdoria and Parma. Juraj Kuchka in the 21st minute. Quagliarella missing a penalty for Sampdoria that, Sampdoria that would have given a point. And then uh, the Sunday night game, Bologna 2, Milan 3. Uh, Christoph Piontek with a penalty in the 15th minute. Uh, Teo continuing to score uh, in the 32nd minute. And he got so excited that he scored on his own goal in the 40th minute uh, to make it 2-1 at halftime. Sabrina's not laughing. Um, but, neither was hey, I when that happened. But neither was I when that if happened, he's but. gonna score, I, the own goal is a little 
more palatable for me. So if that happened before the goal, probably wouldn't have been too impressed. I mean, it's kind of like the Luis Felipe situation where he left yeah. Ronaldo and Mark, but then came back and scored. So yep. you could kind of forgive him after that. Yes. Uh, Bonaventura with a goal of the week candidate in the 46th minute. And then Nicolas Sansone with a penalty in the 84th. And then it was hold on to your hats from Elon fans. Wrote it out, held on, and got three points. Back-to-back wins for Stefano Pioli. Um, where to begin? Well, uh, Jerry, let's begin with uh, Fiorentina's continued problems, uh, losing to Torino. Um, this was a conversation that Richard and I had when you consider Torino and some of the relative struggles under Mazzotti, Fiorentina, the consistent struggles under Montella, that this could have been, this was a, this really was a sack race game when you kind of consider things, things getting stale under Mazzotti Atino, problems all over the place with Fiorentina these days under under Vincenzo Montella, and um, you did not mince words on Twitter about uh, Montella uh, and uh, the fact that he needs to go, and he needs to go now. Yes, I agree. The, the longer you wait and you hold on to Montella, the, the, the worse Fiorentina is going to have a bad season, and they're just not going to find ways to win. They just, they look so lost on the field. In that first half, they didn't create anything. Torino held position the whole half, absolutely the whole half. And uh, although Fiorentina in the second half did create some chances, have better possession, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you if your possession is going to be greater. If you're not doing anything with your chances, you're not scoring into the back of the net. It's never. It's not helping, and this team just looks lackluster, just out of ideas. And and, and to credit, when Torino went up two nothing, a lot of teams at, at that time, a lot of teams just they they, they get in, like very complacent and and they sit back. So it's not that when the pressure is on Torino that they were playing bad. It's just that they, they they're defending the lead at two nothing. And Fiorentina all of a sudden needs to apply that pressure. And it didn't happen until the 90th minute that Chiesa, there's the man that knows how to cross the ball into the box. But let's wait until the 94th minute, 91st minute or 92nd minute to to, to actually score a goal. And this player, I I feel like Mantella is not using him right or he just doesn't want to play there. It's one or the other because he wanted to go to Juventus and... Maybe he's just not caring to be there or whatever it may be. But this is a team that is running out of ideas. And I, I blame the owner as well. I understand that he's backing him up and it's he's new to the team and he just bought it and he wants to give Montella this chance. No, no, no. This is, this is a game and a sport driven on results, not by morale and feeling bad. And, hey, maybe he'll get it back tomorrow. Just like he, Montella said that. He had the backing of his coach because he won a Copa Italia match versus Santoria. No, it, it doesn't matter. Even if he won that match, I'd still sack his ass. I'd sack him right back to where he belongs because this guy here, all of a sudden he wins one game and he hasn't won what? The last five, say, six? It looks like they look, just look so bad. There's just, just nothing there. They just, look, they just don't look like anything right now. Uh, Sabrina, as far as Montella is concerned, uh, and this is from Football Italia. Uh, uh, Fiorentina director of sport Daniele Prade assures Vincenzo Montella will be on the bench against Inter, Inter and Roma, and then we'll see. Um, President Rocco Camiso um, 
he was in the stands for this game, uh, and he asked what when asked what will happen with Montella, he simply shrugged. So you've got you've got the owner, and then you've got the director of sport, seemingly saying two different things at this point. Um, it makes me wonder. Okay, Comiso might be the owner, and he's promising a lot of things to the Fiorentina faithful, but. Prad is saying something different. Do we really know who's in charge over there and who's running the show and who's ultimately going to make the decision on Montella? Is he really staying for the Inter and Roma games or do you make this move now? If it was me, I mean, it's so easy to fire a coach, but you have to think about who, you, who you're going to get to replace him. So, yep. I mean, from a Fiorentina perspective, you'd go into the Inter game and the Roma game thinking – you might not get a result even if everything was running smoothly. So if you don't get a result, it's not a huge deal. Um, some people are rumoring that they might try and go for Spalletti. Um, and we know that when Milan sacked Giampaolo, they tried to do that too. And they had a lot of issues trying to get um, his contract dissolved with Inter. So if they're going to do that, it's not going to be something that can be done by the next match week. And then you have to wonder, like, is he the right person for the job? Um, if you think about a coach like Gattuso, we all know that he has his limitations. He is a, a young coach. But at the same time, Fiorentina has a mostly young core that what they really need now, I think, because they have raw talent, I think they need a coach that has the ability to man-manage, to get them working together, to get their spirits up, and to just rally the team and by that time, you'll hope that uh, Ribéry will be back because he's been a he was a huge factor in their run of success before he got injured. So I think the, there is no really there's no option but to keep him on for those two games. And I mean, Prade probably did the right thing by coming out and saying that he will be there for those two matches because Montella sometimes looks unmotivated, and if you kind of already say that your your job is on the line i think that's going to do just terrible things for fiorentina and their confidence i mean to that point i mean players oh his job's on the line good you're going that that tells me you're you're going to find another manager how much how much more do i have to play for this guy exactly um, you know, that's that's the one hazard that you run into it. And to another point, yeah, I mean, who do you get? I mean, Gattuso would be actually very intriguing. One of the things that, you know, Gattuso lamented, you know, during his time in Milan is that he had such a young squad that he was just begging, bring me some kind of veteran that can can kick this team forward. Um, if he got the Fiorentina gig, he would have this young team plus that veteran in Frank Ribery. So, you know, he would get that chance to have that team. It just wouldn't be at Milan. It would be at Fiorentina. But yeah, I, it's, you know, to J Jerry's point, yeah, a, a Fiorentina fan will be very impatient right now and something needs to be done. But when you've got matches coming up against Inter and Roma, do you really want to bring it, break in a new manager in games like that? It's a very challenging situation that Comiso and Prade find themselves in. Uh, a very, un very unenviable one at that. So, um, but the struggles continue for Fiorentina, uh, as they do for Napoli. Um, and, uh, this is an example of, uh, you know, Allegri was at the Napoli Milan game, Jerry, and was paying close attention to one of the Napoli officials at the game. Um, you know, people are obviously going to make a huge story out of that. Um, but, 
the pressure continues to mount here for Carlo Ancelotti. If they go and beat Genk this week in the Champions League and secure their place in, in the last 16, is all forgiven or is that just a Band-Aid? Just a Band-Aid. I didn't catch the full match. I saw some of it. But in my opinion, they they do need a coaching change. And and it's not because Ancelotti can't do it. I just Or to allude, maybe it's just a whole new squad they're going to need because De Laurentiis really put a freaking hole in this team and they just don't want to play there. They they just they're just very unmotivated. They're they're, they're very predictable. When when you watched Napoli last year and the season prior when they were with Saudi, they were very explosive and very dynamic, creative, very energetic. And this season they just look like they have run out of ideas. And and I feel bad for Ancelotti because he's going to be the, the scapegoat in this situation. And when you hear that they don't want to play for the manager, I don't buy that. I, I believe that maybe his time is up and, and the owner hasn't made it easier for him. And so even if they do beat Jenk, there were there were rumors apparently that they, they want to fire him right after the Champions League game and they wanted to wait up until that point. So I, I'm... I wouldn't be shocked if they had fired him. But here's the situation. Here, I want to. I want to do a, a quick comparison. Now, you said that you wouldn't fire Mantella maybe in in the next two games. Well, here here's the difference. You got a, a high prestige club as Napoli, where they have some of the best talent and a, a very well known coach as Ancelotti, and that's someone who who do you replace him with? Dalit, that becomes difficult because you need someone at that level to replace a team such as that is good as Napoli. Whereas Fiorentina, I believe anybody can can replace Montella tomorrow morning because Montella is not this prestige manager and winning manager as Ancelotti is. And to bring a Gattuso in or even a Spalletti, it, in my opinion, it is is an improvement for that, for that team. And so for, for Napoli, it's very difficult, the situation. Who do you... Do you go after an Allegri, like you said, who's in the stands? That, that could be a possibility. But you need someone who is as capable and as well as manager as Ancelotti to come into Napoli. Because if you were to bring a guy like Cattuso in, or even a Spalletti, I think it's a downgrade. Okay. Um, same same question for you, uh, Sabrina. Is this a ba- is it a band aid if they qualify for the Champions League and there's still problems at Napoli, or will all be forgiven if they go through? Well, I think it's a band aid because that's how De Laurentiis views it, and ultimately mm-hmm. he is the one in charge. But I don't think Ancelotti's the problem, and I mean, people are feel free to disagree and let me know your point of view. But I mean. When you're dealing with professional athletes or any kind of workplace, if you're going to be like De Laurentiis and you're not happy with the team's performance and that's perfectly valid, you have to handle a situation very carefully because when he put them into retiro and you have the coach coming out and saying that he doesn't agree with it, he doesn't think that's the problem, I think right there it shows you that the players don't have a problem with the coach they have a problem with how things are being run at the club. And while right. we will never know the the full story, there's little tidbits that come out. I mean, obviously ADL uh, docking their salaries 
is a, is a huge issue for the players. I mean, that's, and it's public. So that's, it's, it's embarrassing for them and it does not encourage goodwill between the players and the owner. But then after the last, um, Napoli's last champions league match in the, the mix zone, so uh, one of the reporters tried to ask Merton some questions and he kind of did the Mourinho, like if I speak, I'm in trouble kind of thing and just walked away. So I don't think that the problem is with Ancelotti. I think the problem is with the owner and the way that things are at the club. So if, if you fire Ancelotti, it's going to be even more turmoil. And then again, like we were saying, who is, who's going to replace him? Because I mean, Allegri, it might be lip service, but he keeps saying he's, he's taking English lessons. It seems like he wants to coach in the premier league. Um, he might be able to, to get the Arsenal job next season, if that's something that he wants. So who's going to come in and replace him? I don't think that's going to fix anything. But if you're looking at from ADL's perspective, I think for him, Champions League is a Band-Aid solution. I think he really wants the Serie A, but I mean, where do you go from here if you if you sack Ancelotti? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the problem that Napoli have. And I don't know if it's a managerial problem either. And I keep saying the same thing. I said it was two weeks ago to Richard uh, and to Rafa. And I think I said it the week before. I don't think that this is a problem with Ancelotti. I think that this is a problem with scoring goals. Yeah. I mean, they outshot Udinese 18 to 5. They outpossessed them 70 to 30. Okay, let's look at the uh, the Bologna game. They lost 2 to 1. They outshot Bologna 30 to 11. Okay. And that to me shows just a lot of frustration. And they're outpos- playing their game. They know yeah. what to do. It's just they're frustrated. They're Something not- stinks at the club. They're not scoring goals. I mean, that's really, to me, that's the thing I'm going to continue to say about Napoli at this point. They're not, they're just not scoring goals. We're used to seeing this kind of production going forward from them. And we're used to seeing three goals, four goals, five goals in a game. Um, you know, the one thing I did make the point out uh, last week when uh, Richard and I did the podcast last week, and he did start, Dries Mertens uh, did start this game, got an assist. I think that Dries Mertens is a guy that you've regularly got to play in Serie A matches, and I think that there's been a little bit of an over-rotating here, uh, which might be the culprit, a lack of familiarity, but that has nothing to do with it because they're still creating a lot of chances. They're just not scoring the three to four goals that we're used to seeing Napoli score that turns into wins. They're, they're scoring one goal, and they're getting caught you know, going the other way, you know, I think they'll beat Gank. They'll take care of business, and we'll talk about the Champions League here shortly. But I'm not, I'm not on this Sack Ancelotti bandwagon. I'm not convinced of it when I look at the performances. I think they've just been unfortunate to to drop points week after week. I don't think that this is a problem like the the problem that Fiorentina have, or the problem like Spall have. Making a segue is Simplici out after this loss to Brescia. Sabrina, you first. Well, he has, he's been in charge for a very long time, but I think patience is running thin when you have like, they've enjoyed their time in Serie A for the last few seasons. So they're not, they don't really want to go back down. So I think, you know, there are some options out there that can take over a mid to lower table team and, and have success. So yeah, I think he's on the hot seat. Okay. Uh, Spall is at Roma. Uh, next Sunday, Jerry, will there be a will the, will it be managed by Simplici or will it be managed by someone other than Simplici? I feel bad for the manager because in the summer 
they didn't do much to help improve the squad, and it's basically the same squad in less when they lost Lazzari and when he went to, to, to Lazio. And when you don't acquire players to, to help your manager, it becomes difficult to um, to manage the game. And so my opinion, I think he'll he'll – this is a manager I think that will stay maybe for the next two matches. He, he will be against Roma. I, watching a few of Spall games this year, they haven't looked bad. They they they've been in matches like uh, such as today, and and although that they, they they were unable to capitalize on a penalty shot, it, it, the manager is doing everything he can to win matches. But when when the chances and the opportunities are presented to itself to Spall, and they're not capitalizing, you can't really blame the coach on that. He's basically doing what he can to, to help this team win, and and if you're not. If you're not scoring on, on your limited opportunities, as you saw today, it, it's going to be hard to win games. So I think he will stay for the next two matches. I still believe that Montella is in a more hot, hotter seat than, uh, than Spall's uh, manager right now. But uh, that's just me personally. And, and I know it sounds crazy, but um, I just think that Spall has looked much better than Fiorentina, even though they have much less points than them They in their recent run. They Watching some of the highlights, you've seen that Spall was creating chances, whereas Fiorentina did just they just look brain dead. So you think you think Montella is out first before Simplici? Yes. Okay, uh, Sabrina, same question. Montella, Simplici, who's out first? I'm gonna say Montella because they have they have more at stake, you know, with a new owner and you know big like changes coming to the club. There, you know the supporters were all happy that the Della Valle brothers were out. I think they have more more to prove and more to accomplish than Spall does. So I definitely think Montella's out first. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're seeing another report here by Football Italia staff that they are evaluating sacking Simplici with Gianni Di Biassi being an option. I mean, I don't... This is a situation where I don't know what a manager change is going to do for you. I mean, you don't have players creating chances for strikers like Patania and you need to create for Patania. Patania is not creating his own chances. Okay. Have you seen him? He's getting fatter. Okay. He's getting fatter, which means he needs to stand in the penalty area. And you need to find guys that are going to serve it to him. So if that's, gets useful from time to time, Kurtic is a talent that I think is underachieving. Uh, you know, Valdi Fiori is a veteran that I think is, is a little bit past it. Um, this, uh, Recha that plays on the left-hand side in that system is useful at times, but when you look at this ball team, they're, I mean, these aren't names that aren't going to scare the hell out of you when you get ready to play them either. So you have a guy in Patania who knows how to score goals in Serie A, but you have nobody that can really get him the ball on a consistent basis. Big, big problem if you're expecting to survive in this league. So, you know, I'm going to say... <laughs> I have a hard time picking who I think gets sacked first. This story here that I'm reading uh, encourages me to pick Simplici first, but um, it spells a situation where I don't think a change in manager is really going to make a difference. So um, I think they're in a lot of trouble, and I think that they might be finding themselves in Serie B next season just because they just they just they just don't have the players. Um, Sassuolo continue to be fun, bad, but once again, Calgary find a way to get a point. Um, I. Sabrina, Kyrie, are they are they a legit top four contender? 
I think they're a top six contender. Um, I think, you know, if if they get, I mean, they've they've done well having gone into the season with injuries to uh, Cranio and Pavoletti, and now you know you're seeing Pavoletti's coming back, and I think I think they'll be solid. But I think that when you see teams like Roma's picking it up, they're going to get a lot of players back from injury. Um, you know, Lazio's pretty firm up there. I don't think that they'll maintain top four, but I definitely think that they've got a shout for the Europa League spots. Okay. Uh, Jerry, same question about Cagliari. Are they are they a top four contender to you, or is top six? Are you, you agreeing with Sabrina that it's going to be top six? Top six. I, I agree with her. She she says uh, valid points there. And I feel that you're, you're starting to see the weaknesses of Cagliari, and they have to come back twice in two weeks now, one against a, a Sampdoria team that has started off very weak this season and has really adjusted underneath uh, Claudio Ranieri. And then you got a Sassuolo side where under De Zerbi has, uh, has done a decent job with Sassuolo. And today, very unfortunate that he couldn't uh, take the full three points. But you're, you're starting to see the weaknesses in Cagliari. And uh, to teams like Juventus, Inter... Lazio, Roma, even Atalanta, I feel that these teams are are maybe a step ahead, maybe because the experience won, and they, they they just they know what it takes to win those matches. Whereas Cagliari, they're still young and that they're they're adjusting and they're molding together. But I feel that once they get that first loss, it, it may be a downhill for them going going after that. So I would be really curious to see how they do against Lazio next Monday. And, and that, that will really convince me in that match for both sides, if uh, for either side, if they're, if Cali is a top six contender, well, I, I, regardless of what happens with Lazio, I still think they're, they're a top four, but I'm more interested with Cali, how they do in that matchup. Cali is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Chiro, Chiro Immobile and those guys and Sergey, they're going to be on that beautiful island. You know, they're going to get it, probably going to get in there Sunday night. They're going to be on the beaches. You know, I don't know what the weather's like that t- that t- this time of year in Sardinia, but I mean, uh, you know, and they're going to be awed by what's around them. And, you know, I mean, but because uh, the one thing that Cagliari does have going for them, the Sardinia arena is very difficult to go and get points. So, um, you know, they're going to have that as a baseline, but then as a, when they go away, it does rear their ugly head defensively. It's something that we have done on the Serie A sit-down is we have picked on Cagliari through the years for being a poor defensive team away, and here they were again, and, and, and could have given up a third goal on the Berardi penalty he missed, uh, which opened the door for Cagliari to go ahead and get the point here. Um, so... You know, it's it's going to be interesting to watch them the rest of the way. They've definitely got a talented team. This is the this is easily the most talented team that Cagliari have had in years. It's the most talented team that Rolando Meran has ever worked with. Um, so let's let's see what uh, let's see what they do here. I, I sorry, Jerry. I think they're going to beat Lazio uh, next Monday. But hey, bad news though. It's not rainy next Monday. I just checked the weather. It isn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's cloudy. There'll be, some other re- <laughs> there'll be some other reason they lose. <laughs> we'll see. All right, finally, we'll save the best for me for last. Milan, back-to-back win, Sabrina. This is I, I I forgot what this felt like. Oh, it's it's amazing, and I 
I was watching the game with the Milan club today and I thought, I think having, unfortunately, I always have a soft spot for Napoli, but seeing how they're struggling and they're in the spotlight a lot, I think this has taken a lot of pressure off this team, which is a very young team. And they're kind of able to just settle in with Pioli and start to play their game. You know, Pioli, a lot of people were not impressed when he was appointed. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> Pioli I'm gonna, was, uh, was trending. I'm, <laughs> I'm, doing a, I'm doing a victory lap. I'm the only Milan fan that liked the appointment. I was there too, 100%. I, I thought he was a great man manager and we needed that because going from Gattuso to Giampaolo, um, a lot of the players were saying he was very hands-off. We saw that interview that Quagliarella did that said he'd only spoken to him a handful of times when he was uh, coaching Sampdoria. And so c- getting Pioli back in as a man manager is great for a young squad. And I mean, they're finally playing, starting to play cohesively. They look like they have a plan uh, the only thing that's really been missing is they've been devoid of ideas in the final third. But I think this game today was the most complete team performance that I've seen from Milan, definitely this season, um, but in a long time. I thought that, I, you know, I personally, Jerry, like the Parma performance better. I mean, the fact that Milan, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the three goals that Milan scored, Sabrina. The one thing that turned up today that didn't turn up last Sunday was some of those youthful mistakes. Um, You know, own goal. It was really, I mean, it was really a a, a quirky own goal. Um, You know, the way it ended up happening, but the penalty, you know, the VAR, it's, you know, I mean, that was clumsy and that's something you see, you know, a young player do and not, being able to get out of the way or getting there late, you know, whatever the whatever the case may be, there uh, the, the the challenge by, you know, I mean, it wasn't even a challenge. Teo just bumbled over, uh, bungled over uh, Orsolini. So, um, so for me, th- those those are the things that prior to winning back to back games, Jerry, this is what was keeping Milan from winning games under Pioli. Everything else looked like it was getting into place. It was just that one youthful brain fart here or there that was keeping them from, you know, maybe enjoying a few more points than what they currently have. Your your thoughts, you watched the Milan game, your thoughts on what you saw. I thought that Bologna got lucky getting two goals in this match. Personally, the first goal was just an unlucky, unlucky bounce. As you see, the Bologna player ducks, <laughs> and, and, and it just unfortunately goes off, I believe, Hernandez's arm, and it goes right to the back of the net, and you're thinking, Milan fans are thinking, not this again. 2-1, not again. We're going to lose this game. Bad luck. It hasn't been our season. But they, they, they stuck with the game plan under Pioli. And, and I feel that they, they, they were the better team throughout the match. And so the only player that I thought that had a really... Two players actually had a bad game was Piantic. Piantic and uh, Kessie. They just very... Even though Piantic scored the penalty shot... I, I'm not. I don't like him, and I, I just feel that Milan is just using him, just to just to try to sell him and make as much as they can back on their investment in January. Whereas and as Kessie, Kessie just very no no emotion. He looks very lackluster and out of position. I I just don't see him forward for this club. But what a Ventura! What a game! What yeah, a game I thought- this guy. 
This, I thought this, Bonaventura was outstanding, and I think it's been a huge difference, Sabrina, um, with him in the lineup and playing regularly. I mean, I think that that's been the spark that's been missing, uh, you know, in terms of a connection from the midfield to the forwards. Um, you know, you'd get moments from Paqueta, and I think that there'll be moments in years to come. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and he scores a goal in this game. He scores an excellent goal in this game. Uh, you can't say enough about him. Oh, I think he's phenomenal. And I mean, I think all Milan fans were a little bit worried when he came back that, you know, he did have surgery on his knee. Would he be able to perform as he did before his injury? And I think he's been, as Galliani would say, it's like a brand new signing that we we brought him back. I hate that. I hate that. That is my biggest pet peeve. I think all Milan fans <laughs> agree that was that was annoying. But I mean, having him back has been like night and day. We like I'm not on the train that thinks Paqueta is completely overrated. I just think that going from playing in Brazil where it's more free flowing, um, you know, you can do a lot more individual work to coming to Serie A, which is much more tight tactically and it's a lot more systematic that he's still and and not not to his fault, he's had three managers since he came here less than a year ago. Uh, he hasn't been able to bridge that the two philosophies and and know when he can use his flair and when he needs to play in the system. But I think that when you see Bonaventura play, he knows that he has to be the one that's linking up, you know, the midfield, the forwards. Um, he'll go back and recover the balls. Like he's been he's been great moving along the pitch, and he looks like as good and as healthy as the first day we signed him. He's been excellent. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He was the best player in this game <clears throat> for me. Um, okay, so uh, you guys get to uh, you guys get to rank goals of the week. You ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, Jerry, I'm going to have you go first. Give me your uh, five goals of the week. I know the three Lazio goals will be in there. So what were your other two? No, no, no. I only have one last year goal, but I'll start with my number five, Pandev. The little cheeky goal over the uh, the, the goalie, uh, uh, sorry, over the goalkeeper after a poor giveaway. I thought that uh, it was a nice goal by Pandev to get over the goalkeeper from midfield, and uh, that's my fifth goal of the week. My fourth is uh, Giacomo Ventura from Milan. I thought it was a nice strike for Milan. He gave him the uh, the three one lead. I believe three one lead. Who's who's Giacomo Ventura? Oh, oh Ventura. Sorry, is that Gianpa- <laughs> is that is that Giampiero Ventura's son or? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Bonaventura. My bad. You can tell I'm not. I don't focus too much on uh, Milan. You can tell. And we don't. And we don't. And we don't edit a lot either. <laughs> my third one was uh, Atalanta's first goal from Hattabor. Beautiful strike. Hattabor um, Hatt- didn't score. Is it Hattabor? It's Malinowski. You think Malinowski? Mal- Malinowski? Yeah. Yes, my bad. Okay, that's all right. I'm off today. Uh, number I, two. I don't blame you. You beat Hu- your team. Beat Juve. You should be off. <laughs> <laughs> number two is Lecce Falco. Beautiful strike from the right side. From the right side, and then uh, my first goal is Lazio for uh, Luis Alberto linking up with uh, Milinkovic Savic for so the course, game winner as well versus Juventus. 
Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. No bias here. So, hey, so. hey, you telling me as a Milan fan, you wouldn't take it if it wasn't uh, Piotic scoring against Juventus, finally beating them? It's been a while as well for them, right? But you see, Piotic has scored on Juventus. The problem is, is we couldn't hold on to the lead. So, <laughs> or anybody. Uh, <laughs> so, we, we lost on a penalty and then a Moise Can winner uh, last spring. So, uh, after, after going up 1 0. But anyway. Um, but no, no, nice, nice, nice list. I mean, full disclosure, actually, that's my top five. I just don't have it in that order. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, leave you all in suspense because I want to hear Sabrina's top five. I actually have the same five goals, um, okay. a little bit different. I do think that Malinkovic Savic's goal was definitely the goal of the week. He's a midfielder and the way that he got in between the two defenders, controlled the ball, made the turn, and scored that goal. It was a clinical finish, and it's it looked like a world-class striker's finish. So that was definitely my number one goal of the week. Um, I had Pandev's goal as number two, because uh, I just love when a goalie comes out and, uh, and they get caught out like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number three, I have Bonaventura. Allegri's son, not uh, Ventura's son. <laughs> As uh, it was, it was just a gorgeous finish. Um, Falco, I had at number four, and then the Malinovsky just rocket as my number five. Okay, excellent stuff. Uh, five for me was Pandev. Uh, four was Falco. Three Bonaventura. Sergey was number two for me. I thought the Malinovsky goal was just an absolute blast, um, uh, and really like how it was developed and. Uh, you know, Atalanta doing Atalanta things. And I have, I have Melina, I, I edge Melinovsky ever so slightly uh, past Sergei's goal. So um, just barely for me. So, I mean, I mean, I think the consensus is that Sergei's goal is the goal of the week. Uh, you guys have it as one. I have it as two. I could probably call it one a, uh, but, uh, but no, for us, uh, those were the five goals of the week. Uh, we're all in agreement on what five they are. It's just a matter of what order we put them in. Uh, so, um, and then winners and losers for the week. Uh, you know, I'm going to pick a winner and a loser. Uh, I'll start with the winner, and and for me, it is it is Lazio. I'm not just to pay homage to you there, Jerry, but uh, you know, it, it, it is a signature win. It is a signature win for Simone Inzaghi's team. It's just when you think, hey, what's the? Is there any more of a ceiling to Lazio under Simone Inzaghi? And they get it done here in a big win, uh, beating Maurizio Sarri for the first time, which is huge and, uh, you know, really a confidence booster for Lazio. Uh, loser for me, and I'll try to pick someone here other than Vincenzo Montella. Uh, <clears throat> and I am going to go with... I'm just going to go with anybody that had the misfortune of watching that Inter-Roma game. So... <laughs> Me, myself, myself included. Uh, we all lost. We all lost watching that game, even though Interisti and Romanisti walked out with a point. So, uh, no, so, the best game of the weekend. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got to see when I'm going to have you back on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sabrina, winner and loser. Uh, well, I think we have to say Lazio was the winner. I mean, it was just monumental, especially that that was Juve's first loss of the season. And just for them 
to go down early and to just fight back. Um, you know, they Quadrado did have the red card, but for them to just put on a really good team performance and take it to Juve, I think that was definitely everybody's winner of the weekend. And I will go with Fiorentina as the losers of the weekend because I definitely feel like they offer a lot more and them currently sitting in 13th place after all the hype in the summer with the new owner and a new project is definitely disappointing and you have to feel for Fiorentina fans. So I definitely call them the losers of this weekend. All right, Jerry, winner and loser. I'll go with my loser first. Napoli. Uh, they're, 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 their struggles continue. They, they draw an Undinese uh, squad that basically did very little in the summer to, to, to make them better fired their manager, yet still still figure it out to get a draw against a Napoli side that should have won this match, especially after what I saw Lazio do last weekend against Undinese. I would have thought that with the offense that Napoli has, they should be able to score against this team, and maybe this, this was a good game to change their season around right now, but uh, they didn't take full advantage, and they're, they're, their struggles continue this season. As for my winner, Lazio. And the, the, I, I say Lazio not because they, they just beat Juventus finally after so many years at home, but to be down one nothing early in the 25th minute. And, and last year, they, they had taken the lead first, I believe. It was one nothing, and then they, they, they gave up. The, 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 they conceded to 1-1, and then in the 80th minute, Ronaldo won the game for them. But this year, they didn't let that one goal bother them. And it, it, it's something that like I alluded earlier, is that this team just keeps on fighting. And, and it's great to see because it's something that Lazio fans haven't seen for a while. So that's my, my win of the week is that the fact that they, they overcame that one goal and, and basically scored three goals, which many people did not see coming. Yep. I mean, and, and really, the there's no hard ceiling to Lazio anymore. And that's the other thing that I think that makes them a winner here because I think over the last year, they have finally gotten over the stigma of, and you know, we had a, we had an episode where we had Steven Moore on and, and had to ask him, okay, they beat everybody they're supposed to be. But then when it's time to play the Milan teams, Roma, Inter and Juve, they, they pucker up and they're not doing that anymore. They're playing a lot more fearless in those games and they're coming away with results. Uh, you know, evidenced by winning the Coppa Italia too. So, um, I'm expecting a hell of a Supercopa on December 22nd when these guys rematch. That's going to be fun to watch. So, uh, certainly look forward to that. But uh, those of you listening out there, your goals of the week, your winners, your losers, at City I'll Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's finish up with a, a Euro Roundup. All right, guys, uh, you're hanging in there, uh, but we've got one segment left, so uh, so appreciate it. Um, okay, Champions League first. That's going to take place on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, the only business that's really finished is Juventus' is, uh, group winners. They'll travel to Leverkusen um, with what I, what I will believe will be a rotated side uh, to take on the Germans. Um, be very surprised if Saudi plays his best players in that game. Um, or his best possible lineup. So uh, they've got first and Group D wrapped up. It'll just be a matter of what group runner-up they will draw for the round of 16. Uh, Atalanta must win at Shakhtar Donetsk, and then Manchester City must avoid losing at Dinamo Zagreb. 
um, here on match day six for Atalanta to secure progress uh, into the last 16 against all odds with the way this campaign started for them. So, Sabrina, I give Atalanta under the circumstances about a 30% chance of going through. Um, what would you say is there? What, what, what would you grade? What would you grade for their percentage of going through? Uh, I'm going to kind of cop out here and say 50 50, but only because I actually have more <laughs> confidence in Atalanta winning their match than I do with City, which. It seems like an odd take considering how this group shaped up after the first few matches. But with uh, Men City performing the way they are in the Premier League, I mean, it's definitely a blow to the side. Like, they're de- defending champions and so far off uh, the current leaders, Liverpool. I think that might play into a little bit of it. And for them, um, they've, they've got that group sealed up. So I don't think they have a huge motivation, you know, to go out and get the results. But the way Atalanta has shook off those first few losses. And, you know, they, they said, I think it was uh, Martin Duron who came out and said, you know, everybody was laughing at us and, and they didn't like that. And they wanted to come out and show everyone that they're not a joke. And I think they've done that and seeing their recent results in the Serie A, you know, fighting back, getting results aside from the Juve game. I think I definitely have confidence in them still iffy about city so i'm going to give them a 50 percent chance of getting out of that group okay i got 30 percent. you got 50 percent uh jerry what do you think i give atalanta 70 percent really yeah i think they're going to take the win and even with a b squad of man city i still think they're going to they're going to win against dynamo dynamo zagreb I just think that uh, Atlanta's going to come into this game very focused, very strong, coming off a strong win this past weekend. And they're just going to be very motivated into this match. And I think they're going to get the help that they need from Man City. Okay. I just, I don't want to underestimate Shakhtar and what they bring to the table. Um, and I and I just, I look at, as as nice as this has been here for Atalanta these last two games and getting themselves back in position, they got to do it, well, not at home, they got to do it at the San Siro. Um, and now they're traveling to Donetsk. You know, we haven't, the, the one time we've seen Atalanta have to travel to an Eastern Europe, we already saw it and it wasn't pretty on match day one. I think that Gasparini has learned from that, but I look at what Shakhtar can bring to the table going forward. And I think that it can cause some problems. So I think Atalanta can win this game, but I don't want to get overly confident in their in their prospects of winning and going through. And then the same thing with Manchester City. It's a game that they don't need. It's a throwaway game. And this is a decent Dinamo Zagreb team uh, with the players that they can bring to the table. First of all, it, Manchester City, for all the dominance and for what they can bring and for how boastful they can be as a, as a footballing team, they, they concede goals. And mm-hmm. this Dinamo Zagreb team can score. Bruno Petkovic is making a name for himself, scoring goals for Dinamo Zagreb and scoring goals for his country, Croatia. You got Dani Olmo, a Spanish international, great playmaker. Orsic is good. You know, so they've got some guys that are going to give City some problems. So that I don't think this is a done deal, and that's where I'm at that 30% with Atalanta. I want them to do it. I just have that little bit of doubt, you know, just because of some of the circumstances with which they uh, need to go through. You guys are more confident than me. We'll just, you know, that's just the... I'm just giving the long-winded version of that. <laughs> so, um, okay. And then we've got Napoli hosting Genk. Um, 
if they win and Liverpool fails to win against Salzburg, Napoli will be through as group winners. If Napoli and Liverpool win, Napoli will be runners-up. Um, so those would be the scenarios for uh, how Napoli qualify. If they draw and Salzburg beat Napoli, I have not dug that. I have not dug that deep. A lot of it is because I think Napoli are just going to beat Gank. I think they're going to beat them. They're going to, like I said when we were talking off air, they're going to win two one. They're going to make Napoli fans shit themselves, but they're going to get it done. I think this is going to be a you know a, a game where they're going to get the three points. And I don't think they're going to be bothered by whether or not they finish first or second. That, you know, after last season being a goal away from qualifying for the knockout stage, getting that win and going through, they'll be fine with it. And it'll be, you know, hopefully by February when the round of 16 picks up, whatever group winner they play, they'll say, bring it on. Uh, Jerry, uh, size up Napoli's prospects for qualifying. If they lose this match, I think Ancelotti's days are done. That's all I can say. Because Gank is terrible, and there should be no reason why Napoli can't win this match. They they hold, they basically hold their own their own cards. Like what's going to happen? So this should be a, a, a win, two one, two nothing. And I see that Liverpool is going to beat Salzburg personally. It's at the San Paolo, Sabrina. There's no way Gank's competitive here, is there? Well, I mean, I know it's a it's a little bit iffy the relationship between the fl- the players and the fans, but I think that although it is at the San Paulo, I just feel like it's a different competition. They've done well in the Champions League this season. You have they they haven't lost a game in this group, and it has Liverpool in it. And I feel like Ancelotti knows the Champions League. This is he's he's not the best um, like domestic club manager, but he knows what to do in the Champions League. And I'm going to give Napoli like a 70 or 80% chance to get out because they're, they control their own destiny when and you're in. So yep. I'm, I'm, I'm really confident of them getting out of the group and it might be a great boost for them, like into the city as well. And now for the fun one, group F inter host Barcelona, uh, Borussia Dortmund, uh, host Slavia Prague in group F. Inter currently holds second thanks to their head-to-head aggregate with Borussia Dortmund. Um, It's simple for Inter. Beat Barcelona. They qualify as the second-place team in Group F. Match Borussia Dortmund's result against Slavia Prague. They qualify as the second-place team in Group F. Um, This is a coin flip for me, Um, 50-50. And I say this because the pedigree of Barcelona... Uh, is obvious, but Barcelona have had a bit of a problem traveling on European nights under Valverde, and I think that Inter are going to have that going for them. Barcelona are already qualified as the first-place team and will play anybody that they want in this game, and the reason why I know that is because last year, in the same situation, they played anybody they wanted against Tottenham. I think they dragged people from the stands of the Camp Nou and put them in those Blaugrana <laughs> shirts and and allowed Tottenham to beat them, which kept Inter from going through. But Inter needed to just beat PSV to go through, so Inter bottled it yep. on the last day. So you had that going, too. So I say 50-50. I think Borussia Dortmund is going to beat Slavia Prague um, just because they're going to have the home advantage in doing so. But Slavia Prague has, you know, they're going to finish bottom of this group, but they have not made it easy for anybody 
in this in this group, and they're going to go out. They're going to go out bottom of this group, but they're going to go out proud. Um, I say it's a coin flip, Jerry. What do you think? I agree with you. I'm just curious to see how Inter can do without with a very depleted midfield. And, and Barcelona is not going to have Messi in this match. I, I'd be shocked to see him. Maybe he'll come off the bench, if anything, if he even comes into this match. But like, like you, you alluded, Barcelona has already clinched the group, and they have not, very little to play for. But they they have a decent squad that, even though if they bench their best players, they, they can still bring out a good 11 players that Inter might have a hard time against. And it's just, I, I wonder how... Lautaro Martinez and Lukaku is going to play this match because against Roma, they didn't. They only created chances off of giveaways, which I saw. And in this match, it's going to be very difficult to to see how they like how they were going to build up against Barcelona. And, and with Borussia Dortmund, yeah, it's very hard to play it when you, when you go there. It, it's just. The, the hostility of the crowd, and it makes it very uncomfortable and very unease when you play Borussia Dortmund at home. So I, I see a Dortmund win or draw, and and Inter is going to be more hungry than Barcelona, and that they should they use that to their advantage, especially playing at home. So I, I see Inter maybe just slightly taking this one. Okay. Okay, so but you still think it's a coin? The the situation's a coin flip right now for them as far as their chances, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay, uh, are you are you unanimous on this, Sabrina? Is this a coin flip for Inter? I, I'll give them a little more, like I'll, I'd say maybe a sixty percent. I'd give them to get out of the group, only because in their first match against Barcelona, you'd hope that they'd learn from the second half. But in the first half, they were amazing. Like, if they could play the way that they did in the first 45 for 90 minutes, I think mm-hmm. they, I think they've got it. But, I mean, it also depends on what the mentality is going into the match. Because, I mean, everybody will talk about Conte, how he's not great in, in the Champions League. But if they're thinking, why don't we just punt this competition and just go all in for the Serie A, then, you know, they're out. But if they're actually wanting to go far in the Champions League, wanting to get out of this group, I think they have a good shot. And again, Barcelona has nothing to play for. If they lose, it's not going to affect them at the top spot of the group. So I think I think Inter has a decent chance. Yep. Um, so I think... It's 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 going to be very interesting. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how that one goes. That's going to be the most uh, one of the most enthralling storylines as far as match day six is concerned throughout the whole of the Champions League. So moving on to the Europa League, um, we have Roma hosting Wolfsburger, Wolfsburger from Austria. Uh, they're tied. At, well, they're second on point. They're second on eight points. Munchen Gladbach have eight points, but Munchen Gladbach on the head to head aggregate on them. Uh, Istanbul Basaksa here is on seven points in third. So Basaksa here and Munchen and Gladbach are playing each other in Germany. Uh, so in this instance, Roma only need a point uh, at home against Wolfsburger to qualify. Um, and then uh, the other match, Jerry's team, Lazio, are traveling to Rennes, uh, needing to win. Uh, and as we said before we went live, uh, needing Celtic to give a shit about their trip to Romania to play Cluj. Um, 
needing to so Celtic have to beat Cluj, Lazio have to win at Ren for Lazio to go ahead and go through. I mean, I'm going to make this pretty simple. I'm going to give Roma a 95% chance to qualify. I don't see how they don't get at least a point against Wolfsburger. Um, and I'm giving Lazio a 5% chance of going through. I don't think Celtic cares about this game. They're already qualified, uh, and they can put in the best effort that they possibly could. I mean, I'll go this far to say, Jerry, I don't think Inzaghi even plays his best team. I think he might even have the feeling that, hey, we're cooked here. Um, we could win this game and 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 hope a miracle happens. But reality is, is Celtic doesn't have to play their best team. Uh, why waste my best players here? Uh, have a couple weeks here to focus on the uh, on the balance of the league. Jerry, I, I agree with you. I, I never look at like at the um, the best players being played or basically um, who who's in the lineup, but more. These players will always want to make try to like earn a starting a starting spot in, in the lineup every day. So even if, if whoever they feel eleven guys, Celtic is always going to try to win. No one wants to lose, and I agree that there's very little to play for. But I, I don't think it's. I think it's not going to be a, the Celtic issue. It's going to be the Lazio issue, and I, I believe that Lazio is going to lose this match, not even draw. They're going to lose outright, and, and like you said, Inzaghi is not going to care about this match. He's already thinking about uh, his Monday's match against Cagliari, and, and he, he, he's five points back at first against for uh, with the Inter ahead in uh, Juventus, and uh, I think that's what, what his focus has been all year, especially after like the first two games. He hasn't fielded his best team again in the Europa League. I, I believe maybe once and when he they played Stoddard in, he had to bring Luis Alberto, Chido Immobile, and Savage all off the bench, and um, he, he hasn't focused this year on Europa League. And I'm actually happy. I want them out because I think that that will help Lazio long term in the City A. And their depth has just been their issue for for a long time now, and this might just help Simone Inzaghi and benefit him. Mm, I yeah, it's uh. It, and it's looking that way, you know, to your point, Sabrina, I 95% Roma chance for Roma to go through about a 5% chance for Lazio to go through. Where are you at with these guys for the Europa League on Thursday? I agree with both. I think uh, Roma has definitely a better chance to go through and more of a desire to go through. And it's not going to take too much of a toll on their team to try and go out there and get a result. And they've had, they've, they've been solid in the Europa League. I mean, there was that awful game against Mönchengladbach when the ball hit Smalling's face and the ref called it a handball. But aside from that, they've been pretty solid and there's no reason for them to not want to continue. Whereas I feel like you guys were saying with Lazio, uh, for the last few seasons, they've narrowly missed out on qualifying for the Champions League and they've made no secret of the fact that that's where they want to be. So if you're even like Lotito looking at it going, you can try as hard as you want to get through the Europa League, but your destiny isn't in your own hands, or you can just take it easy, see what happens. And in the end, it will be better for them because, you know, they do have the Supercopa coming up on the 22nd. You know, they, they're not that deep and you don't want to really just spread yourself thin for something that might not happen and something that ultimately they don't, it doesn't seem like they really want. Right. 
Right. So we think Roma's through. We think Lazio's out. Uh, we have a little bit of variance on the uh, fortunes of the teams in the Champions League at this point. Uh, the, the, there's a range of confidence in Atalanta. Uh, we're right around, right, right, pretty much right in the same ballpark on Inter. Napoli, we all think, will go through. What do you guys all think? Go to at Serie Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, and that will put a bow on this edition of Serie Sit Down. And uh, Jerry, Sabrina, thank you so much uh, for stepping in for uh, for Richard. And uh, we actually have to question Richard's future here going forward, I think. <laughs> Thanks for having us. It's been great. Um, anything, uh, you know, Sabrina, starting with you, anything else? I mean, we talked about the, uh, the, the play-by-play podcast you and Jerry are going to do. Anything else you want to plug at this point? Yeah, so like I mentioned before, me and Jerry are starting our podcast. The play-by-play podcast should be out soon. Um, Once the MLS season kicks off in February, I'll be writing for the Waterboy Report. Um, You can find them with that handle on Twitter. And just recapping TFC games and any kind of uh, stories with Toronto FC. So you can look for me there. Excellent stuff. Jerry, how about you? You're all over the place. What do you got coming up, man? I have a few articles coming out for World Football Index and uh, Get Italian Football News with Chloe. And I'm going to be doing a podcast tomorrow with uh, the Honest Football Podcast. And it's a really intriguing uh, podcast you have. It's basically half of the segment. It's basically about your favorite game, why it's your favorite game in, in regards to football. And then the other half is basically about yourself and wh- why why you actually do love football and how I got into writing, I'm going to be explaining. So uh, I'm pretty interested in that. And there's a few people I get to talk on the show about and I can't finally think about who have helped me basically get into this and really enjoy it as much as I do every day. And yeah, that, that that's about it. Excellent. Excellent. And, uh, uh, if you, if you wish to divulge your Twitter, Twitter handlers so that our listeners can give you a follow. Mine, you can find me at uh, Sabri B10, S A B R I B 10 on Twitter. Excellent. Jerry, how about you? I'm at J Mancini 8. J M A N C I N I 8. Excellent stuff. You can find me <laughs> at FTC underscore 21. Uh, Richard will be back. I think he'll uh, put up a uh, goals of the week video later this week on our YouTube channel. Um, I think he will take a measured look at the uh, ones that the three of us came up with and uh, come up come up with his own what he's probably going to do is he's going to override all three of us and come up with his own top five so sergey may not even make it um it's going to be something coming out of nowhere that 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 none of us none of us had but um because that's you know hi richard <laughs> so um so anyway, uh, Richard is at R underscore Carmen, and that's K-H-A-R-M-A-N. He'll be back next week. Um, Serie A Sit Down. You, we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts. We have our own channel on SoundCloud. We can, you, can be, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Stitcher. Just about any place that uh, plays podcasts, you can find Serie A Sit Down. Uh, at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter, on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. And once again, uh, the video um, the videos on YouTube. Check that out. Uh, you know, some good reviews on uh, Richard's take on Tiago Mota's uh, system at Genoa. Uh, so definitely give that a look as well. So uh, that's all for now. Uh, just want to, again, thank Jerry and Sabrina for coming on. Uh, you know we're going to have you guys on again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much.
All right. Excellent job. Oh, Jerry, go ahead. Thank you for having us. Much nope, appreciated. No problem. No I, I problem. see you put Richard on waivers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, don't start any don't start any rumors now. <laughs> We're only speculating, you know? We're only speculating. So <laughs> um, anyway, so but no, thank you guys very much. It's very generous of you to give us your time, uh, you know, and talk a little calcio and uh, and thank you all for listening to us. And as always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Make it big.